now as a surfer and a skier and a gold medalist, like that was impossible for me. Laying in a hospital bed, not possible. But, you know, one step at a time and with the right technology in place, I was given the opportunity to reach that impossible goal. Doctor said I wasn't going to walk. Here I am running. You know, I wasn't supposed to be over five feet tall. Here I am on five foot eight. I mean, starting your impossible. You know what I'm saying? We're living Toyota's mission statement and we're accomplishing that every day. Welcome back to the Paralympics podcast. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Tyler. We are so excited for today's episode. We've been featuring some of our Team Toyota athletes over the past couple episodes, and we're one year out from the Olympic and Paralympic Games Tokyo 2020. And today, we're talking to our Paralympians. So if you guys don't know, the Paralympic Games start about two weeks after the Olympic Games end. And as you know, Toyota is a proud sponsor of the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic teams, but our commitment runs a lot deeper than that. The reason that we're involved is so much more than that. So a little company background info. We are transforming into a mobility company. And if you want to hear more about that, go back to season one and listen to Not A Car Company. Our goal is to help create a more inclusive society, particularly when it comes to freedom of movement. Our president, Akio Toyota, has said that our partnership with Paralympics is just one more step towards that goal. And we've challenged ourselves as a company to develop equipment for para-athletes using our technology and engineering to increase awareness of para-sports through our sponsorships. And through the sponsorship, we've gotten to know some incredible people that are now Team Toyota, Paralympians, and Paralympic hopefuls. They're incredible, and we can't wait to see what they get to do in Tokyo. So first, we talked to David Brown and Jerome Avery. They are teammates in U.S. Paralympics track and field. These guys, I can't even tell you, are the real deal. They were at the Paralympic Games Rio 2016 together. David is visually impaired, having lost his sight when he was 13 years old. And Jerome? Jerome's his guide runner. They run side by side on the track, tethered together by a short cord that they hold on to. Yeah, I don't, I, I really don't understand how this is possible, but like their arm action has to be exact. Obviously, they have to move in sync the entire time. Their feet have to hit the ground at the same time. It takes track and field to a, a completely different level. So we can't wait for you to hear our conversation with them. Here you go. So we have David Brown and Jerome Avery with us. And you got like, this is incredible. And I wanted to get you guys in here to talk about this because Paralympians, you guys are in track and field, mm -hmm. you run, and you guys run in like lockstep with each other. Like, yeah. how did this happen? Like, this is fascinating to me. <laughs> well, what did it happen? What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happened was. I don't love it. Go ahead, Rowan. You. Um, <laughs> you definitely, I consider myself a great dancer. Okay. And it starts oh. with being oh. in sync. You know, yeah. you definitely have to have the rhythm. And in order to run with the guy such as David Brown, mm -hmm. who's extremely fast, I have to mimic the way he runs. Right. I have to run exactly like him. Oh. So as soon as he touches the ground, his inside foot, my inside foot just touches the ground. Perfect example. It's like a, um, it's like a three-legged race. Yeah. So us being in sync is very important. It doesn't have a. We don't waste any time while we're running at all. And one thing, Jerome has been guiding for years, so he's pretty much the master. Ah. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, How I'm did nice. so, David? I want to start with you. How did you get into this? Well, I got into Paralympic track actually is. 2008, mm -hmm. I got selected to be a part of the Paralympic Experience 
in Beijing, China, and I got to out of like hundreds of applicants, I was one of the 25 that was selected. And I got to go and witness the Paralympic Games live in Beijing, China. So I got to see guys like Jerome run with his guy that he was running with at the time. And, you know, the fire was lit for me right there. I was like, hey, you know, I can do that. So 2010, mm-hmm. I, was, I had the opportunity to run on a relay alongside Jerome, actually. And that kind of put me on the radar to be invited to a lot of different Paralympic camps and stuff. So throughout high school, I was running. And 2012, I was selected to come and live and train at the Olympic Training Center in Trula Vista, California. And the rest is just history from there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Have you always been into sports? Yeah, I've come from an athletic family. So before I went blind, I was playing basketball. Mm-hmm. And when I started going blind, I just got into sprinting and just continued to play other sports like wrestling, stuff throughout high school and stuff like that. And there was never a start like, well, you know what? I'm losing my sight. I should mm-hmm. stop these activities. Uh, no, it was... Never. No. Never. It was always something like, okay, how can I adapt and get to, you know, do what I want to do and that stay active? You know, when mm-hmm. I couldn't play anything with a ball anymore because I, my face became a magnet. <laughs> <laughs> it was more so how can I stay active and competitive with my friends? And yeah. that was running, you know, sprinting for me, you know, getting into foot races with them because I was able to see where I was going. And I wasn't bumping into anything, but I can beat you in a foot race. So (laughs) that was that was me. How did you two meet? Yeah, 2010 actually was the first time we met, and I literally just met him on the track. I went to the track. Here I am, little dude, not knowing anything about sprinting or guiding. Really, I didn't know there was a technique to guiding, you know, and even to sprinting. I was just run fast and. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> little kid with the fist balled up and just going at it, you know? Yeah, <laughs> right. Still kind of like that to this day, but... <laughs> so, Pin Relays was our first event. It was actually a pretty big event for our first event to mm-hmm. uh, run. Uh, we were paired up, but I was actually training with someone else at yeah. the time. Uh-huh. So, it was one of those things that um, an opportunity had opened up for me to work with David. Mm-hmm. And we took advantage of that opportunity, but I was still with another guide. And we didn't actually officially get paired up full-time until 2014. Yeah, five so years So, in between ago. that, he had another guide runner he was working with. And mm-hmm. I, like, quite a few guys, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I was running with them throughout, you know, the years. Went to London. Went to France. You know, for our world championships. And then in 2014, that's when I paired up with Jerome. And well, that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm so curious about your guys' relationship. So obviously, you guys have to be in sync with one another physically. But I'm assuming that it's important that, you know, personality-wise, you guys have to, to understand each other. And, you know, you're going to be next to each other for an entire race and you're relying on each other. So can you tell us a little bit about what it's like? Like, are, are you guys... I'm assuming your best friend. Well, personally, yeah. <laughs> you guys I mean, have any you like friends? Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, David. Well, Let me hear you. <laughs> no pressure. Like, can, can you break up with him if you want? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, there is those guide runner and runner relationships where it is just strictly business. You know, okay. uh, I've been in the game actually for about seven years now. Drone been in it quite you know, longer than me and he's, can probably explain that a little bit better, but there is athletes where it's just okay, guide, runner, go, and, oh, okay. and stuff like that, and it's just strictly you know professionalism. But Jerome and I we're like brothers, honestly. Yeah. So no, you know we don't have to have 
a friendship off of the track, but we have one just because of how our personalities match and stuff. Awesome. When I first met this guy, you know, just how funny he was and everything <laughs> else. And, you know, me being, like I said, a noob and him being a vet, I asked him a lot of questions. I was able to reach out to him, talk to him, and then, of course, laugh with him, joke with him. I'm just like, oh, okay, you know, these guys is cool, you <laughs> this, know. And then, yeah, of course, could be something. Yeah. Right. And then, of course, moving to the training center just helped build on that. And then, of course, knowing how passionate this guy is about running and his worth ethics, you know, it's just like, okay, let's go then. Right, you know? exactly. Yeah. yeah, we just match up, you yeah, know. I think my job as a guide runner, I definitely don't take it lightly. I know. Mm -hmm. At this moment in time in my life, I was put here for a purpose, and that's to see for someone else who can't see. Yeah. And I feel that our relationship and everything that we had accomplished over the years, that's big to me, and it means a lot. And to see the smile on his face mm -hmm. when we're on that podium, mm -hmm. that's an amazing feeling. I don't know if anybody—that feeling right there, knowing mm -hmm. that you had a part of, of somebody else's, you know, working with someone else and just— being a part of that. I like to say success through selflessness. Yeah. You know, awesome. um, if he wins, I automatically win. Right. right. And, yeah. that, and that's how we always, you know, approach everything that we do. And of course, that is an honor to me too, just to know that, hey, this guy, he had Olympic dreams in himself, but he put himself aside to help me get to my dreams. So to help him get on the podium as well and get a medal. Yeah. That's a good feeling. That's the, yeah, awesome. it's an incredible feeling. So to have, you know, somebody, you know, to have this guy up there beside me, you know, and then him happy for me, but then me happy for him just because it's like, hey, we got here together, man. Yeah, you know, definitely. and we both doing exactly what we dreamt of doing. And that's receiving a gold medal. That's yes. awesome. So how did Toyota come into your life? And, and how does Toyota help achieve those dreams? You know, me and Jerome, we are Team Toyota mm -hmm. all the way. Just mm -hmm. because one of the sayings is start your impossible. We're in, you know, accomplishing what people feel is impossible. You know, when people are saying, oh, yeah, it's hard to do something with no sight. Here I am. I'm breaking 11 seconds in 100 meters where they felt it was impossible. Yeah. You yes, know? you are. So <laughs> it's like, hey, you think it was impossible to, you know, me personally, you know, pick my life up after, you know, suicidal attempt, you know, back when I was 13 mm -hmm. and a whole bunch of other things as far as like, hey, doctor said I wasn't going to walk. Here I am running. You know, I wasn't supposed to be over five feet tall. Here I am. I'm five foot eight. I mean, Starting your impossible. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're yeah. living Toyota's mission statement. And we're accomplishing that every day. You're hired. Go I was going to say, I feel like that's like a mic drop. Like, I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> I've got goose buttons. I'm like, oh my goodness. So what do you guys do when you're not training? Sleep. Are you still hanging out? <laughs> yeah. Uh, sleep is very important. Yeah. Uh, I'm a fan just, of sleep. We no. just hang out. Yeah. We'll... Honestly, when we're off the track, we try to stay away from yeah. each other. Right. <laughs> you know, like, nah, it, it, we have nah, a partnership. Yeah. But your friends. We, we work yeah. together yeah. every day. It's like being around your brother all day, yeah, every day. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So we need a break from each other. Right. And, it, and it works out perfect. Yeah. And what is your training? Like, what does the next year look like for you? So how how many days a week? Like, how does this, how does this work? Well, we train six days a week, Ooh. twice a day. So that's one reason why we get tired of each other. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's why you're so sleepy, too. Yeah, yeah exactly. Wow. I mean, so, of course, leading up into Tokyo, it's, we got a saying, what got you there, we keep you there. Exactly. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're just going to continue to grind it out. And, of course, we know that we have a great team like Team Toyota behind us, Team USA. And we're just going to continue to do what we do, and that's push towards gold. Mm -hmm. awesome. It seems, so, Toyota has made a big, 
push in getting Paralympic time on NBC and making sure that you guys are seen. Yeah. Are you seeing more recognition because of the time on TV and things like that? Yeah, honestly, since 2016, mm-hmm. when uh, the Paralympics was broadcasted, since then, me personally, I don't know about Jerome, but I have been receiving more recognition. Like that day that I got back in the airport, there was somebody that came up to me and was just walking alongside me talking. And he was like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, I'm doing good, sir. You know, <laughs> yeah. how was your, and he was like, how was your flight? I'm like, I'm doing, you know, it was good. You know, yeah. a little tired. You know, it's great to be back. He's like, yeah. So you coming from Rio? I'm like, yes, sir. You know, he's like, are you Mr. Brown? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and I turned to him like, yeah, I am. <laughs> he's like, sir, I saw you on TV. And he's this guy completely freaked out, you know. Uh, and that's of course, awesome. Like one thing with me though too is uh, I have, I'm real big in talking to uh, high schools and elementary schools and stuff like that. I've had a lot of students come up to me and they're like, I saw you on TV. I saw your races. You know, I've seen you all over social media and stuff like that. And, you know, so, you know, a lot of recognition like that has been coming out of being on television. And it's been a blessing, you know, just... Yeah. Really humbling. I mean, I've I've seen a lot of changes, mm-hmm. uh, especially 2016. Like he said, uh, at our nationals, Toyota was actually there, and they were they were looking over at us, us a little bit, mm-hmm. which was a good thing. And um, Tatiana McFadden, I don't know if you're familiar with yep. that name. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's one of the biggest uh, athletes we have for Paralympics. So mm-hmm. to see her represent and coming from going to the games, it definitely it was good to be a part of that. Okay, so if you could say one thing to the listeners to hold them over until they see you on TV mm-hmm. in 2020, what's the hype? What's the what's the tagline? What are we look What are we looking for from you guys? One thing I will say is it's never too late to start your impossible. With Jerome and I coming up a year from now, that's a long time. <laughs> yeah, but it isn't. It's not. Be prepared to see the impossible. Love know. it. OMG, Kelsey. I still get goosebumps thinking about that day we got to talk to him. I know. They're definitely... I feel like they're two of the coolest people I've ever met. And I, I just can't wait to watch them on my TV. I am team David and Jerome all the way. 100%. So our next guest is equally as amazing. She's like Wonder Woman. She's a five-time Paralympian and six-time medalist. Honestly, I don't know if there's anything that she can't do. Yeah. We interviewed Elena Nichols, and while she's not competing for 2020, she's working on developing adaptive surfing for future competitions. I'm constantly amazed at what these people do in their quote-unquote free time. Right. So during this interview, Allison was pinch-hitting, but just listening to it got me super excited. Check it out. Elena Nichols, you are here. You are like... Team Toyota legend, oh, well, I feel thank like. You. <laughs> and you also, two sports, you have wheelchair basketball and alpine skiing as a Paralympian. Right. Like, that's yeah. crazy. That's exciting. Yeah. I mean, I like to brag that I kind of started the two sport trend because <laughs> I went wheelchair basketball and then alpine skiing. And then suddenly, like, Lolo Jones is on board right. and, you know, Lauren Williams and all these athletes are really kind of like exploring mm-hmm. because the fact is, we're always training, anyways. Yeah. So why not be competing in another sport like while you're training right. and cross train, you yeah. know? And so, fortunately, my two sports worked out really well. So I was, you know, really fit as a wheelchair basketball athlete, I also have the adrenaline type 
you know, ability to want to go fast. And so I transitioned to alpine skiing really well, being already physically ready to do that. Right. And so, you know, I knocked out five games like within, you know, a span of 12 years. So it was like back to back and it was just such a blast. I've That's had incredible. so much fun. And the skiing was, it came naturally because you started as a snowboarder, right? right? Well, so I, I grew up as an athlete. Mm. I started when I was five. I started with t-ball. I played volleyball and basketball throughout junior high and high school. Mm-hmm. Um, put a lot of my eggs in the fast pitch softball basket. Was hoping to go to college on a softball yeah. scholarship when I was first introduced to snowboarding. Mm-hmm. So uh, I got started a little later in life in junior high, like at 14. You know? yeah. And I suddenly realized, oh, there's this whole other aspect of my athletic ability that I wasn't aware of. Like, I like to go fast. I mm-hmm. like pushing the limit. I like seeing where that edge is, you know. And so snowboarding really offered me this feeling of like creativity that I didn't get from traditional sports or yeah. linear sports. Yeah. And so, you know, getting to be able to express myself in that way was really exciting. Mm -hmm. Although I was really very focused on going down that softball road. Um, My senior year in high school, I was 17 at the time. I ended up trying my first backflip on a snowboard. Mm -hmm. It didn't go well, if if you will. (laughs) I over-rotated the backflip. I ended up landing on a rock that was underneath the snow. So it was kind of a combination of a perfect like storm. Mm -hmm. And that's that's what left me paralyzed Mm -hmm. from the waist down. So you know, athlete all my life, suddenly my my whole world gets flipped upside mm-hmm. down. And I have to kind of like reinvent myself. And at the time, and this is in 2000, there weren't companies like Toyota that were celebrating people like Paralympians and people with different abilities mm-hmm. and their ability to be mobile. So yeah. I really, it took me two years to like realize, oh, there's other people with disabilities. They're playing sports. They're being athletic. And, you know, once I did realize that and I started playing basketball, that's when my I got my life back. Mm-hmm. That's when I finally came into my own skin again. But it took two years. Yeah. So thankfully, like in this day and age, there are people, God forbid, that get paralyzed now that do see other Paralympians on TV thanks yeah. to Toyota, you know, and and companies that believe in mobility. And so, you know, after my injury, getting back into sports really got me back into life. And, you know, I just had to figure out how to adapt. And I got into a basketball chair and suddenly I felt more athletic. You know, I go to Beijing for basketball and then again, turn around and I figure if I can do this, like, why can't I go to the Paralympics for alpine skiing? And, um, you know, in such a Cinderella story way, I ended up making that dream not only come true by going to the games, but Mm -hmm. then becoming the most meddling athlete at the 2010 games. And, you know, it's unbelievable to me just to be able to say that, but you could imagine, you know, after becoming paralyzed, thinking my athletic career was over. Right. Next thing you know, I'm on a podium getting a gold medal. I'm like, how is this my life? (laughs) I have goosebumps. Like, that's so awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's been... Such a wild ride. Yeah. You know, can you talk about how becoming a a Paralympian has kind of informed the rest of your world? Yeah. Well, you know, I I don't know what would have happened, right? So I was I was headed to college on a softball scholarship. I was hoping for the best. I had a dream of playing at the Olympic level. Um, I don't know if that would have happened. Mm -hmm. I certainly know that I wouldn't be a three-time gold medalist and the first female American to win gold in the summer and winter games, you know? So like in a lot of ways, becoming a Paralympian created these opportunities that I wouldn't have had had I been an Mm able-bodied athlete. So, 
you know, you you kind of look at it in a different way. You give it a little twist and you're like, wow, that was, that might have been the best thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah. You know, like becoming paralyzed was the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. And I know that's probably hard for some people to hear, but it's honestly been such an, in, I don't know, an intriguing way to live. It's, I, I've had to be creative in what I've, done to adapt to my world. And, you know, it's really an honor to be an inspiration to people. And I used to really hate that word. I'm like, don't use the I word at me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I've really embraced this idea that some people just need a little bit of perspective, Mm -hmm. you know, and regardless of what's going on in their life and their struggles and everybody has them. And I don't want people to compare their, their stuff with mine. Right. Everybody's monster under the bed is only as big as you let it be, you know? And so... I just, you know, I've been able to kind of create a different type of life that I think is really kind of intriguing and inspiring for people. And, you know, again, like it's only when I come across like obstacles that my life is actually disabled, right? Mm -hmm. So I come across a set of stairs and I'm suddenly like different and disabled and I can't go up them. But if the world was universally designed, I would just look a little different. You know, we all have different bodies. And so, and that's what I really love about Toyota's mobility program is like, let's figure out these, these obstacles. Like, Mm -hmm. I love that. And I think that, you know, having a bionic body, if one day I get to walk around in a robot, I'm happy to do that and be like a superhero. That'd be great. I don't know. Well, even without that, I feel like you're a superhero oh, already. Thanks. Like, that's crazy. We're working really diligently to develop adaptive surfing. So as you know, able-bodied surfing is in the 2020 games. And yeah. It will be, you know, debuted in Tokyo, which is so exciting. Mm-hmm. And adaptive surfing is not far behind. So we are working really closely with the International Surf Association and USA Surfing. Mm-hmm. And we're getting, you know, this huge group of adaptive athletes from all over the world into, you know, one competition and we're developing a classification system Mm -hmm. and we're kind of like well on our way. So it's really exciting. And I'm, I love the sport of surfing. It's amazing. So you get niche. It's a little niche. It's a little niche. (laughs) But yes, in the Paralympic world as well, we have to have classification systems, which are basically here's categories of disabilities. So not everybody, like a single leg amputee wouldn't compete against somebody with paralysis. Right. You know, right. so it's essentially leveling the playing field right. for categories of disabilities. And then from there, you then start checking that all the IOC boxes. Right. So okay. then it's like, you know, here's what needs to happen on your way to becoming a sport. I'm not headed to Tokyo for any Paralympic sport. I do love broadcasting, would love to be able to contribute in some way to the surfing scene yeah. there, but um, working diligently on adaptive surfing. This seems like a bigger calling, at least. Like, you know, you've competed and now you're right. like, for the future generations of people who want to compete in surfing, you're setting the stage for that. Yeah, that's kind of the idea is the give back and paving the way and creating opportunities because there's there's so many adaptive athletes. I mm-hmm. mean, from all over the world, from Chile and Argentina that literally sell their belongings to come to La Jolla, California to compete in the International Surf Association World Adaptive Surf Champs, you know? Wow. Like it's their one thing. And I would love for them to be able to compete at a Paralympic level one day if that's what they want. Mm-hmm. And and the development of mobility tools seems, you've right. probably seen quite a bit of change 
in your, uh, in your time. Can you tell us a little bit about how the actual products have changed and what you see kind of the potential? Well, it's kind of funny to say this, but if there was ever a good time to be disabled, it's now, you know? It's like, okay, okay, so something tragic happens and we're all very fragile humans. You lose a leg, you lose an arm, you lose your your vision or you become, you know, paralyzed and you're in a chair, you have options. And so, you know, I'm in a wheelchair that's 22 pounds. And if you asked me how much my wheelchair weighed 60 years ago, it'd be upwards of like 65 pounds. Wow. And so being able to push a titanium carbon fiber wheelchair around and something that's small enough to fit just about anywhere yeah. is really, I mean, it's it's really great. And so say you're an amputee, there's these new Bluetooth enabled knees that you can actually connect to your phone that have like, uh, you're going uphill. Okay. Let me just get on my phone and tell my leg how to walk uphill, you know, those kind of things. And, you know, Toyota's mobility for all program is creating a lot of really fun Toyota products as well. And it's like this amazing technology that creates, you know, mobility for people and independence. And I think that's just really cool. Start your impossible. I'm sure when right. people hear that tagline from us, they, and they're just like, oh, that's your tagline for Olympics. Okay, fine. But how do you see people living and breathing start your impossible, like from a Team Toyota perspective? Yeah. Well, from a Team Toyota perspective, specifically, mm-hmm. we are compiled of both Olympic and Paralympic athletes. Mm-hmm. When you start a four-year cycle of going to the Olympics, it's essentially impossible. <laughs> You're looking at that mountain like four years. How am I going to do this? Yeah, and that's a long time. You too. start your impossible and it's it's about breaking down that large goal into manageable, smaller goals. And so Olympic or Paralympic, I mean, that's very applicable. And it starts every day at 6 a.m. when you wake up and you go to the gym and you build. For the Paralympians specifically, I mean, every Paralympian has probably had an impossible moment where, you know, like myself, I was laying Mm -hmm. in a hospital bed and I was 17 and it was time for me to start my impossible. Yeah. And that, again, is just about getting one. I mean, it's an inch, a step or a mile at a time. It's it's like just get into your wheelchair. Yeah. And then push forward and whatever that looks like. So, you know, every Paralympian's got this really rich story of how they started their impossible. And, Mm -hmm. you know, now as a surfer and a skier and a gold medalist, like that was impossible for me. Right. Laying in a hospital bed, not possible. But, you know, one step at a time and with the right technology in place, I was given the opportunity to reach that impossible goal. Tyler, that was an amazing conversation. I know, right? Thank you. (laughs) You get no credit for that. (laughs) I was impressed by Elena. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So all of our Team Toyota athletes were incredible to talk to, and we're excited to see what they do this year. And we hope to see them at the Olympic and Paralympic Games Tokyo 2020. And we'll be checking in on their progress later this season. So look forward to that. And once again, thanks for joining us on Toyota Untold. You can watch the progress of our Team Toyota athletes on social media. David is on Twitter at DRB1019. Jerome tweets at Mr. Underscore Jerome Underscore Avery. And he's on the gram at Underscore Jerome Avery Underscore. Elena Nichols is also on the Instagram at Elena the Jane. 
And you can follow all of our Team Toyota athletes at Team Toyota on Twitter and Instagram. The show is produced by Sharon Hong and Allison Powell. Music by Wes Meixner, edited and mixed by Crate Media. We're back in two weeks with an episode on Overlanding. Overlanding. So don't forget to subscribe. See you later.